three, two, one. And welcome back to the official review. I'm Mitchell Graham. And I'm Zach Brown. And we have got episode 58 of the official review coming at you. And we have a good show. We have a good, actually a loaded, well-rounded show today. Um, We've got, we're going to introduce a new kind of baseball segment today with Zach. Um, Don't even know if we have a name for it yet, but we I do. It's in the banners. Okay. Oh, okay. I see the yeah. banners. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. So we will debut that um, in just a second. And then um, we've got a very f- a very long fast break. It's going to be the slowest fast break you've ever seen <laughs> in your life. Um, but we have a lot to talk about on the NBA front, lots on the NFL, uh, lots in college football, and then we've got WWE as well. So let's just jump right into it. Zach, I'm not going to put up this banner until you have introduced the name, but give us the concept, give us everything, and then... Go go ahead. So basically, we're going to start doing what kind of what Mitchell does with a weekly fast break. You know, he kind of does a quick most weeks. It's just a quick segment where he does most of the talking, most of the information, because I don't really watch basketball. Right. We're going to do the same thing with me with baseball. Most of our viewers probably aren't big baseball fans. Uh, Mitchell, while he does watch baseball, doesn't follow it as closely as I do. So we're going to do my version of the weekly fast break. We're going to call it the three up, three down. Yeah, uh, where every week or every episode, rather, because we're not going to record every week, but every every episode, I'm going to try and pick three main topics from the MLB and knock those out, uh, just like a three up, three down inning in baseball. So the first one I'm going to go over is the World Baseball Classic starts in a month. Uh, I think it's a month from yesterday. It's going to start. I'm excited. I, I'm ready to see the teams compete. Um Almost all the teams have released their rosters. Uh, Great Britain, I think, is like the last one that hasn't released their roster yet. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, at least we're not in the group of death. Uh, I think that's the one with uh, Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic in it. That one's going to be crazy. Ronald Acuna said he's going to play for Venezuela, so that team's going to be good. Um, and then my second is Hugh Darvish and the Padres agree to a six-year, $108 million contract extension. Um, you know, if, if you Darvish can continue to be consistent, this is a good deal. But are we going to get last year's Padres you Darvish, or are we going to get Chicago Cubs you Darvish? That was not good. So, um, that that's an interesting topic. And then the third one, and we'll round out our three up, three down. Is Shohei Otani is likely to become a free agent after this year? So the sweepstakes are already going to start. Um, especially if they can't get a deal done with the Angels by the start of the season. You're going to have people already um, talking about bringing Otani in. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch for this season if the Angels can get him re-signed. And if not, you're probably going to have the most coveted free agent maybe in Major League history this coming off season, with Shoei Otani becoming a free agent. And that's the three-up, three-down inning. Short, quick, to the point. And uh, we get the MLB segment right out of the way. I like it. I like it. I, I really, I really do. Um, I, I like that segment. Uh, very quick, very informational. Um, I had jokes I wanted to throw in there a couple times, but, um, but uh, you know, I'm going to let you talk. So I think we get NFL next. Let's jump right into yes. the NFL. Let's, let's, let's do it. All right, let's review the conference championship games that happened two weeks ago. Um, 
the Eagles 49ers. Give me your thoughts on what you saw in that game. I can't take anything seriously, to be honest with you, on in that game because of the fact that they didn't have a quarterback for the last, for, I mean, for essentially the whole game. Josh Johnson, there's a reason he's been on so many teams. He's not very good. And then when he got hurt, Brock Purdy legitimately could not throw the ball. So he was throwing the ball on the sidelines, though. Yeah, but he, but that's, they, that, that's the only, and, and look, I get it. He was injured. That's the only part of this whole situation I don't understand. If he had a torn ligament in his elbow, if he needs, and he's having Tommy John surgery this week, so it is a legitimate tear. But why are you throwing the ball on the side? If you can't throw, don't throw. If you can't throw, don't go on the sidelines and throw the ball and keep all your equipment on, make it seem like you're ready to go back in the game. And then you put him back in the game in the second half, and all he did was hand the ball off. They didn't try one pass, which again, I know he couldn't throw, but it's the image of the whole thing of why is he in the game if he's not going to do anything for us? At right. least Josh Johnson can throw the ball downfield. He, he's not very good, but at least he can throw the ball downfield. Brock Purdy, all he was doing is handing the ball off the second half. I, I still, I, I really, I, and we'll get into this when we get to the Super Bowl predictions. I really think the Eagles have not been faced with any sort of challenge or any sort of competitive um, team yet. I think it's really going to hurt. And that's where my, my and that, I, I know what you're, I, I just, I can't I can't get over the fact that you knew exactly what the Niners were going to do in the second half. So I'm not impressed. The offense, sure, it looked fine against a good defense. Jalen Hurts really didn't have his best game, didn't have his best stuff, but he he was all right. He uh, he's got to play better to beat Kansas City and Kansas City's not going to hand the ball off every single play. So that's that's my thoughts on that game. Uh, I need to see more out of the Eagles. Good win. But I'm not convinced that the Eagles are ready to play this game because they have the Giants weren't great in there in that game. They really that game was really no competition. And then you have the Niners who didn't have a quarterback. So I haven't seen anything personally that would be that has stood out for me for the Well, I think another thing that game shows is it kind of disproves your theory of earlier in the year where you said that you could plug anybody in a quarterback and they would win. I think that disproves that theory. I think it disproves the theory that you could that it's even possible to have a team so good that anybody can play quarterback. It just shows a quarterback is the most important position on the field. And if you don't have a competent one, it doesn't matter how good your playmakers are. You're not going to win the game. And that's what it showed. Josh Johnson, while, of course, he's not a great quarterback, but he's at least good enough to play on an NFL level, but yet still... I mean, they they just look completely outmatched, and the only difference was who was who was behind center with Josh Johnson. Yeah. So I, I do agree with you that the Eagles have kind of lucked out with their matchups um, so far in the playoffs. I still think the Eagles would have won that game had Brock Purdy played because even before he got hurt, Brock Purdy looked lost in that first half. He did not look he like himself. He wasn't playing well. He had like one drive. He he no he got hurt at the end of the like towards the end of the second quarter. No, I'm I'm almost like certain mid, that mid that to he end played of the, the first quarter. that he played like the first drive and a half and it was over. I could be wrong, but um, I know especially after that first drive, he kind of looked a little lost. Um, and they scored a touchdown without him on the field, so you know that was a Christian McCaffrey carry job. It like, was legitimately it was, but. Uh, Josh Johnson got him down the field at least, and then Christian McCaffrey scored that touchdown. Yeah. But anyways, um, 
there's not really much else to say about that that about, about that particular game. It was it was boring. Yeah, and then let's go to the Chiefs Bengals, which I think uh, I think I mentioned this last episode. This is going to be the the Brady Manning matchup of our generation. Yeah, I think. As a matter of fact, I think every time these two quarterbacks have played, the the final score was by three points or less. Yeah, well, um, I mean, last one, two years has been a game winning field goal. So yeah, one possession or less all four times they've played each other. So um, this is the first time that Mahomes has beaten Joe Burrow. I don't think it's going to be the last time he beats him. I think they're both going to beat each other for years to come. Yeah, but just a fantastic game. Um, yeah. but, but to kind of. Well, before I get into what I'm going to say, what, what, what was your evaluation of that game? I think there we have to start appreciating Patrick Mahomes a little bit more. What he's doing what do you right mean, now, a little bit more. He's the most appreciated quarterback. I, in I all don't of football. think he really is, though. You hear about Burrow. You hear about Herbert. You hear about Josh Allen and steadily the best quarterback in the NFL for the last, what, four or five years has been Patrick Mahomes. Dude, day, I, dude day, have you ever listened to a broadcast? All they do is drool over Patrick. They Mahomes. drool over throw, Patrick. He could throw an interception, the, and they'd be like, "That's a great throw by Patrick." But Mahomes. I'm, I'm talking, but like going into this game, everyone was like, "Oh yeah, let's go, Burrow. Burrow's gonna win." Well, because Burrow. Burrow was undefeated against him. That's why. But I'm just. I feel like we need to. I think they've won so much that we don't realize how hard it is to do what they're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are loaded with talent. I mean, they're really not though. They they really are. They've got they got some of the best receivers they, in the game. They're they've got Juju Smith Schuster, who's not a number one. They've he's going to be the number Val- one target in the free agency this offseason. The free agency is weak this year, though, wide receiver wise. Juju Smith Schuster is not is not is not a, a is not a number one wide receiver. They've got Valdez Scantling. Miko Hardman's a good slot receiver. They've got Travis Kelsey, and then they've got Jarek McKinnon at running back, who really came on at the end of the year. Mahomes makes everyone better. No, Pacheco is their primary back. McKinnon got all of their touches. Got almost all of their touches. I don't think so. I think Pacheco has been their main back. He's on my fantasy team. I I, I saw saw his Towards the end of the season, Pacheco became the main back. And in the playoff, the game against the Bengals, Pacheco got a majority of the carries in that game. But like, who the frick's Isaiah Pacheco? Like that's not he's like, from I Rutgers. Know, I know he's from Rutgers, <laughs> and I know he wears Tyreek number uh, Tyreek Hill's number. But Patrick Mahomes does not have Joe Burrow has more talent around him than Patrick Mahomes does. Yeah, I, I'll say that Joe Burrow's at least wide receiver weapons are better, and so is so is Josh Allen's, and Absolutely. so is Justin Herbert's. Absolutely. Look, nobody's arguing that Pat, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. I no, mean, but I'm, I'm, but I'm not saying arguing. he doesn't have a great team. Okay, I guess it depends on what your definition of great is. But I'm saying, are they are they the most are they the most talented team in the NFL? No, but are they? Do they have a bottom twenty roster? No, they they've probably got a top ten roster overall. Sure, because Patrick Mahomes is on it. If you take Patrick Mahomes off, they're still a top ten roster. I think if you put Patrick Mahomes, I feel like the. Out of all the playoffs teams in the AFC, I think the Chiefs might have the worst weapons. I don't think so. I mean, look, look at look at what happened when Patrick Mahomes missed almost the entire first half against the Jags. Chad Henney leads a 98-yard touchdown drive against a solid defense to score. Chad Henney's a dog, though. <laughs> Chad Henney's a career backup. I mean, come on. So 
again, I, and I'm not evaluating that off of one game, but to say that they that their that their talent level is not elite, it is. Even without Patrick Mahomes, they have, and a lot of that is credit to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and their scheming. They are very good at what they do. They're so they're the best, probably the best offensive minds maybe the game's ever seen. I don't know. Maybe that's up for debate, but you know, if if we want to talk underrated and underappreciated, I think Andy Reid. Absolutely. Is the definition. We don't we never talk about him being one of the best. But what has he yeah. done? He's he's done nothing but win. Oh, he's had Patrick Mahomes. He still has you still have to put a good scheme out there, like you said. You Absolutely. still have to do the right you still have to be a good coach. And he's I, a great coach. Did he make two Super Bowls in Philly? Made only one, one. Made one in made Philly. One. Okay. And like had like a career average of like nine or ten wins and they ran him out. Yeah. Donovan McNabb was their quarterback that year. I mean, Donovan McNabb, like, honestly, if we're being totally honest, you take Andy Reid away from the Eagles, I don't think Donovan McNabb was very great. No. I think the scheme really made Donovan McNabb who he was in Philly. Um, but And I think an underrated aspect of all of this is Eric Bieniemy has been the, the number one name for, like, four off-seasons. There is something that is making him stay. And I think that's Andy Reid. He's got a lot of baggage that's kind of keeping teams from wanting oh, to Do you really him. think no team has ever offered him? No, I, I, I do believe that there are teams that are offering him, but I think Biennemi probably is waiting for the perfect opportunity. He's not going to go take, you know, the Texans job. He's not going to – usually the jobs that are available every year are teams that are bad. And I think Biennemi is kind of in a situation where, look, I'm not going to take a job unless it's somewhere that I can win right now, win right away. So I think he's just being smart about it. Uh, all the teams that needed coaches this year were not are teams that are not in good situations. Matter of fact, the enemy very well could take the Cardinals or the Colts job. Those are the two jobs still remaining. Um, so now I'm, I'm hearing that nobody wants the one. Nobody wants the Cardinals job because of Kyler Murray, but the Colts Somebody. job is still appealing. So, you know, I don't, I'm not saying the is going to take it, but the fact that they haven't hired anybody, leads me to believe that it might be somebody on one of these two teams that's playing might be taking one of those jobs. Jeff Saturday could go coach the Cardinals. I bet he would. I bet he'd, I bet he'd love I it. bet he would, but I don't yeah. know if he'd be very I don't, good. I don't know, if he'd, I don't know yeah. if he'd be good or if he would even be pleased with the situation there in, in, in Arizona. Yeah, but I don't know. On the note of those conference championship games, we've got, and, and if, you, if you watch any kind of sports shows or sports podcasts, You've already heard this, okay? So we're a little bit behind the eight ball just because we don't re- we've recorded biweekly. But the NFL is a major officiating problem right now. Um, I didn't get to watch all of the Niners Eagles game, but I watched pretty much every snap of the Chiefs Bengals game, and the the officiating in that game was terrible. And I'm hearing that the officiating in the NFC Championship game was even worse. Um, just I mean, like how how do you not? Like giving Patrick Mahomes that extra extra third down play, that might have been one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Yeah, how you can I just give them that down back, uh, and, and I know it didn't. It ended up not really mattering because they didn't score on that drive. But still, the officiating is, and it, it comes down to two things in my opinion. Number one, make your refs full time. Why are they working other jobs and officiating? Like, wait, that's yeah, a thing. 
Yes, there are no officials in the NFL that are full-time officials. They all work other jobs, and they're part-time officials in the NFL. It's the same way it is in college football as well. There, there are no full-time officials in football, which is stupid, because if that's not my full-time job, then I'm going to pay more attention to my full-time job than I, am to, than I am to mastering my craft at being an NFL official. And so we need to get rid of part-time officiating in NFL, make them full-time. The NFL has money to pay these guys full-time make them full-time officials, make them go to officiating school every year. I don't know, do something. And then secondly, there needs to be an accountability system for every job in America. If you don't do a very good job, they're doing just fine. Yes. They, they make, they make two out of five a year, but they're still part-time. They're not giving 40 hours a week to mastering their craft of officiating. They're yeah. working another job and then coming and officiating an NFL game, which let's be honest. If you had a hard day being a lawyer and then you come and you've got to officiate a game, your mind might not be in the right place to officiate that game. You know what I'm saying? Right. Make them quit their jobs. Make them full-time officials. Make them, make them go to refresher courses every offseason. Lots of jobs do that. And then make, get an accountability system for the NFL. And I think that should be a What does that look like, though? What does that look like? Well, when you, when you have the NFL coming out on social media the next day saying, yeah, we missed that call. Okay, where's the repercussions? Why are we not saying, okay, that's a tally on that guy's record? And if he gets so many tallies of missed calls, then you're going to be suspended or we're going to replace you. There's, way, there's ways we can do this. There's ways we can have accountability with our, with our officiating. I just think you're walking, you're walking a, a fine line there to be honest with you, because, because at that point it, they're human. So they're going to make human error every single Absolutely. game. They're going to make, they're going to every, every official is going to miss a call a game. If you start doing these tallies, no one is going to be able to, and no one's going to have a job. Well, like I said, you would make, the, you would make the accountability system reasonable. You'd like, have to make it, you'd have to make it essentially, you'd have to make it a grade system. You go yeah. in, Here's a percentage of what you did. If you got a right. D or a D minus or below, you cannot officiate the next week. Well, I would I would say more like you take it on a year by year basis. You're not going to suspend somebody or fire somebody after one bad game. But if we start seeing a pattern with you, like let's go to baseball, for example, Angel Hernandez, it is a pattern for him to miss calls and not be a not be a good umpire and why he's not been fired yet I, every time they every time MLB threatens to fire him he countersues and count and claims racism every single time so we need to have an accountability system across all sports to where you don't get fired based off of one bad performance because people have bad days people miss calls right. but a- averaging them out across an, an entire season saying okay look here's your body of work this year you graded an F so we're, we're, we're firing you. We're letting you go because yeah. there's there's I guarantee you there are thousands of other officials, even on, on the college level that you could promote to the NFL, even like XFL officials, USFL officials that you could that you could call up. Perfect example of that is in this the World Series this past year, one of the home plate umpires and he's the youngest umpire in the league this year had a 99% accuracy on all of his calls on balls and strikes. He deserved to call that game. So it can be done. It can be done to have a 99% accuracy 
So why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we creating an accountability system where we can do that consistently? And I think Mitchell has frozen. Um, so we're going to wait for him to join back in. Um, let's see what he said. His PC shut down, so we're gonna we're gonna hold the fort down. But but I, I do think that there needs to be a a, a kind of accountability system that, that goes into it. Um, the next topic we're gonna talk about is should the NFL scrap the Pro Bowl and the Skills Challenge? And my opinion, and we'll get we'll get Mitchell back in here shortly. He's having some technical difficulties, uh, but in my opinion, the the Pro Bowl needs to just become a a list. Like like it is in college football, you're an if you're an All American in college football, there's not an All America game. There's just hey, you made first team All SEC, second team All ACC. We need to do that with the NFL. We need to scrap the NFL Pro Bowl because there's the guys are not interested in playing it. Like the fir, the, the first five or six quarterbacks that qualified all opted out, and Tyler Huntley got invited to play in Back it. Back up a backup quarterback who played like four games this year. So in my opinion, the NFL pro bowl needs to go to a list like it is in college football where you're just said, Hey, you made first team pro bowl this year and you get incentives for it. But in terms of playing the pro bowl, I just don't see the benefit to it. The players don't care about it. So therefore the fans don't care about it. The skills challenge. We don't, we just don't care any, we just don't care enough about it. So it, I think the NFL's got to scrap that and just make it a list. Just make trying, it a list. They're trying too hard to be like the NBA. Um, and the NBA has a really good, like right now the NBA has found their groove all-star game-wise and all-star weekend-wise. I mean, you've got a the three-point contest, the dunk contest, the skills challenge, rising stars challenge on Friday. And then what they've done with the all-star game has incre- has gotten better every year with the Elam ending. So, but they're trying too much to be like, be like the NBA with the whole like the cool catch thing and the, the dodgeball. It's just, it's, it's tacky. It's for kids. And it tells you it's for kids when they start streaming on Disney XD. Yeah. And I, I mean, the thing is, it, it's hard to have an all-star game per se in football because it is such a physically demanding sport. So don't have to get hurt. Exactly. So that's why they need to just not have it. The NBA, you know, we know that in the all-star game, they don't really play at their hardest. Like nobody really tries to play defense. It's just kind of a casual pickup game where they're just trying to score as many points as like nobody's really trying to go hard because nobody wants to get hurt. Same with the MLB all-star game. You know, that's why pitchers don't pitch more than an inning in the all-star game because nobody's trying to get hurt. There's still a season to be played. Now the NFL there's not a season to be played at that point because you're playing it at the end of the year, but still guys are not trying to get hurt playing in a meaningless pro bowl game. Nobody. You're cares. Also, you also have to look at the highlight aspect of, of it for the NBA is you can go out there and do things that you usually don't do on the court yeah. for basketball. How are you really going to put on a show organically in football? Like yeah. any, any better, like, you're not going to go out there and, and maybe you'll throw one between your legs, but like you're just, it's a regular football game with people who are giving 75% less effort. who are not right. trying to actually rush the quarterback and we're not actually trying to be physical and play football. It's just not a good recipe in the NFL. I know it's a revenue. It brings in revenue, but did you see Allegiant stadium? 
for that flag football game? No, I didn't watch it. There was no one there. So what was up with that girls flag football game that happened too? Like what was well, that? the NFL, the NFL play 60 or something has a flag fo- girls flag football league. And I think that was the championship game or something. Oh, uh, okay. Something like that. I, I I don't know. I didn't pay that close attention to it. But I was waiting on my food for about two hours at Buffalo's and that was on oh. the TV. So I, <laughs> I, I looked up and saw it. So um let's let's move on to the Super Bowl preview. Um who do you have winning and what's the score? What do you think about this game happening this year? And I, I've talked to a lot of people at work on this because they don't agree with me. I think the Chiefs are going to win comfortably. I think they, they've got the better team. Like I said, the Eagles just haven't um, – they, have the, they don't have the better team like roster-wise. I just think they, they play a better brand of football that the Eagles I don't think are quite frankly ready for. I think the uh, Jalen Hurts hasn't played in a high-profile playoff game. He's played against he played against Brady, I think, last year and lost in a wild card weekend. And then he's played Daniel Jones in quarterbackless San Francisco this year. Now you're playing Patrick Mahomes. I think this game might be close up until the uh, until about the third mid- middle third quarter. And I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to run away with it. I've got the Chiefs winning thirty-four to seventeen. Yeah, I think this game is going to be determined up front. And, and I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but right. it really is. Um, I mean, the Eagles, I think, have probably the best offensive line in the NFL, at least this season they did. Yeah. Um, and so that front seven for the Kansas City is going to have to be able to get to Jalen Hurts. And then the opposite is true. The Eagles are going to have to be able to get to the quarterback for Kansas City. And I think that they were one of the best teams in the league at doing that this year, getting to the quarterback, putting pressure. Hassan Reddick has had it uh, has had a fantastic postseason. I think he's got like, four sacks in the in the postseason already. Um, so I think, I disagree. I think this game will be close, but I'm going to have the Chiefs taking this game. Um, you know, I, I have no problem with the Eagles, but I, I, I have never enjoyed their fan base. I think they have one of the most obnoxious fan bases. And I'm a Cowboys fan. I think we have the most obnoxious fan base. Right. But Philly is a close <laughs> second. Um, that old division. They can get really annoying. Yeah, pretty much our entire division has annoying fan bases. But um, look, the NFC East, I don't think anybody saw it coming, but is is going to be the best division in football, I think, for a couple of years now. Um, we've got really good coaches, really good rosters. Um, so well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you my think final... The, you think the Cowboys have a good coach? Not the worst coach in the world. I mean, he's made a Super Bowl. Um, he won a Super Bowl. He didn't just make one; he won one. So. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna get into this. Uh, we'll probably. I, I want to talk about this in a future episode. But I'm kind of worried about the future of Dallas, a little bit. Look, I've been worried about our future for ten years. So there you go. There it you it go. is what it is. There you go. Um, we brought in Brian Schottenheimer to replace uh, Kellen Moore. You know, if you're a Georgia fan, oh, you know what a failed man. experiment Brian Schottenheimer was. But anyways, that's way off topic. I think the Chiefs win in a close game. Give me the Chiefs like, uh, I'll say 30 to 27 final score, 30 to 27 Chiefs win. Um, Because I just think think Patrick Mahomes, he's had two weeks to heal from that high ankle sprain. I think he's going to be a little bit more mobile. You give Andy Reid two weeks to prepare for anything, he's going to have the best scheme available. Um, You know, so... 
he and they, and they they want to avenge that that blowout loss against the Bucks a couple of years ago in the in the in the Super Bowl. So I think they're going to get the win. Uh, let's. I'm throwing a curveball here. Do we want to? Do we want to live and? I mean, do we want to? Do we want to do the Super Bowl live stream again this year? You know, I don't know if that's going to be doable. Um, because we. I mean, I may. I may be going some to somebody's house to watch. I. I don't know. Okay. Well, so I don't know we'll what talk my plans later. are for we'll the talk. Super Bowl. But. If if guys, if we are doing one, we will let you know. Yeah, we'll post it on our Facebook page. I just thought we about may it, make a TikTok, so. you know, whatever yeah. to to announce yeah. it. Um, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson are rumored to be way off in contract <laughs> negotiations. Yeah, it's rumored to be they're about a hundred million dollars off. Um, so, what are your thoughts about this? Do you think Lamar Jackson is going to end up in Baltimore, or is he going to end up somewhere else? I think he's going to end up in Baltimore, but I don't think he's going to be signed to a contract. I think they're going to franchise tag him. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to be very happy. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be signed for Baltimore, but he will not play for Baltimore. He's going to, he's going to be, he's not going to play. He's going to force him to trade, um, force, force them to trade him or not play him. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to stay in Baltimore. Uh, I think they wouldn't have gone through the, the 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 headache of firing Greg Roman if they really weren't going to try and keep him. Um, I think or maybe they like Tyler Huntley. <laughs> Tyler Huntley is no Lamar Jackson, um, but they're going to meet in the middle. I think. I think. I think Lamar will eventually meet in the middle because now, if depending on who they get in there as offensive coordinator, they're going to need pieces. They're going to need wide receivers to throw to. I think this time, if Lamar Jackson comes to the table and says, you know what, fine, I'll take a little bit less. If you agree to get me a piece, get me somebody to throw the ball to. I mean, Devin Duvernay is nice and all, but he's not winning you a Super Bowl. You know, you, you got to have more than Mark Andrews to throw to. So give me, I think Lamar Jackson will stay in Baltimore. Um, they got I, him a piece last year, Zach. Who is they that? Got him, they got him Marquise Brown, who is a piece. Marquise Brown was traded away last year. Or the, who did they trade to? Mark, he went to the Cardinals. Yeah, they traded him away. They got someone. They drafted. They, they drafted a wide receiver, but he's been okay. They drafted who the fuck Bateman. Did they draft? Rashad Bateman. That was two years ago. Oh, two years ago. Who did they trade? Who did they trade Marquise Brown for? It was a wide receiver for wide receiver. I thought. Um, I don't remember. It wasn't anybody that good. I thought um, it was. Let me. I. I'm. I. Oof. I'm, Anyways, I'm, I'm kerfuffled. While you're um, looking that up, let's move on to the next question. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to retire? Um, and, and while you're looking that up, I'll I'll give a little bit of news on this. Aaron Rodgers, if you haven't seen, has has announced that he's going to go on a four day, quote unquote, darkness retreat. Yeah, which they they didn't get a wide receiver in return. I don't know what that means. A darkness retreat. He's going to apparently go by himself in the woods somewhere and drink ayahuasca, which I had to look up what that is. I don't even know what that is, but I looked it up. It's some kind of like psychedelic drink that makes you see apparitions, which Aaron Rodgers is weird as it is. Um, I would never mess with that stuff. Not not to say that I'm I'm better than anybody else, but I would never mess with that stuff for for religious reasons, for any... Anyways, he's going to go on this four-day darkness retreat, and by the end of it, he said he's going to make his decision if he's going to play or not. He's which gone. does not surprise me one bit about Aaron Rodgers. He, he's he's gone. He's going. I don't. I don't see a world. There's two options. He's gone, 
or he's a Vegas Raider. Yeah, I've I've I saw a report that Devontae Adams is really, really trying to get him to come to Vegas. Right. And play for them. I mean, that would be a really good situation for him. Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, an offensive mind at head coach. Like But it makes you it makes you wonder if playing football is even what he wants to do. If he's this is now the second year in a row he's been toying with the idea of retiring. It really makes you wonder, do you even want to play? Do you really want to play? Yeah. Um, so, you know, who knows? Aaron Rodgers is at a point in his life. He's 38 years old. He's not married. doesn't have any kids. He's probably rethinking some of his priorities, you know? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at that stage in life, but, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens to Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to, I think he's going to play, um, but not for Green Bay. He will not. Play he's not Green playing Bay. for Green Bay next year, but I think he will play. I think he's going to play one more year. He'll probably go somewhere, realize, I don't know if I like this that much, and then he'll probably retire after next year. Because if you think about it, he is the last of the, of, he is the last one remaining of the previous generation of superstar quarterbacks. Tom yeah. Brady's gone. Manning's gone. Ben Roethlisberger's gone. He is the last of those like elite level quarterbacks. So I think he may want to have one year where he's just the only guy left. Yeah. But we'll we'll see what happens. Um Sean Payton to Denver. This is big news. Um the last episode I had reported that he wasn't interested in any jobs, and that was true, but Denver came in and gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. They were giving him they're they're offering him like twenty five million dollars a year. You can't turn that down. Um Sean Payton and with that. And with that, Sean Payton has come in and he has fired all of Russell Wilson's private coaches, which good on Sean Payton. Look, if you're going to be on this team, you need to you need to follow our code. You don't get you don't get to have your own private coaches that nobody else gets to have. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think Sean Payton will do some some good things, but I don't think he's going to have patience with Russell Wilson. If it doesn't work after one year, I think Sean Payton's going to find a way to get rid of him. Uh, and I, there's a lot of, I don't know if you heard about the stuff that came out today with about his charity? Russell Wilson with his charity. Yes. Losing a lot of respect for Russell Wilson daily. Like Every day, Russell Wilson yeah. becomes more fake. Yeah. Like, becomes more and more of a, he's just fake. He's a phony. If you haven't heard about it, uh, Russell Wilson has a, has a charity, a foundation, and it was revealed today after an investigation that only 24% of the millions of dollars he raises every year actually goes to charity. The rest of it is pocketed uh, by Russell Wilson and his wife. So you lose a lot of respect for a guy like that. And then you've got, you know, he's, you know, Broncos country, let's ride. And, and he's doing, you know, he's doing uh, high knees on a plane ride for six hours. And he's got his own private coaches. He has his own office. Like, what are you doing? Like, why did he just, take a complete 180 when he left Seattle. I don't know what happened to that dude, but he's become the most unlikable player in the NFL. There was a reason Pete Carroll did not like him. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but I think that was a good move to get Sean Payton into Denver. And yeah, then another coaching sure. hired D'Amico Ryans to Houston. I, I had predicted Hometown this boy. one. Yeah. Um, good, good deal for him. They gave him a six-year deal. Um, a high buyout, so they're actually going to give D'Amico some time. Their last two coaches have only had one year. I think D'Amico said, I'm only going to take the job if uh, you give me some time, and I think he's going to be able to get his own guy in there at quarterback. He's going to turn the defense around. Um, John Mechie, he's going to be healthy next year. He's going to have a piece to throw to, 
So it, I, I'm interested. I'm really interested to see what happens to the Texans over the next couple of years. D'Amico Ryan's um, if D'Amico is actually going to be a good head coach or if he's just a good coordinator. Uh, but I anticipated him taking this job, especially after he shut down all other interviews after he interviewed with the Texans. I kind of made it obvious that he was going to take yeah, this job. For sure. And I like it. I think um, I think the Houston Texans need to commit to a, a coach. And I think this was the guy they were looking for. Dave Cully and Lovey Smith both felt like um, kind of just loners. Just like yeah. a... Fillers. We need, we need, yeah, fillers. We need to wait a couple years until our guy is available. I think D'Amico Ryan's is their guy. I think he's going to come in and make a lot of changes defensively. I think they're going to be really good. I think they can get Bryce Young or one of the top quarterbacks in this next draft. I feel like they're going to start putting the pieces together, even though I am still not a full like disbeliever in Davis Mills. Still think he is. I, look. I think Davis Mills has been dealt could, a terrible hand. He has, but when you have a new coach, the new coach is going to want his guy, and so I think D'Amico is probably going to push for Bryce Young. It would just be a natural fit to to reunite Bri- uh, Bryce Young with John Mechie. It'd be a natural fit there, right. um, and then you know he's going to do wonders with the defense. We need to do some mock drafts. Soon. Plus, Ryan's is a Bama guy, so he's going to yeah. want to draft some Bama guys. I, I don't think I don't think Bryce Young's the first quarterback taken, but we're going to we'll discuss. He might not be. I think, too small. I think the Colts will take him. I think they'll trade up for the first pick and they'll take him number one. Do you think Bryce Young will be the first quarterback taken? No, no, no. I think the Colts are going to trade up to one and take um, Stroud. Stroud first. I think that's what's going to happen. Okay. Um, and then the last bit of NFL news, uh, one that's close to home. AJ Green has retired from the NFL. Um, just want to give some uh, you know, props to him. He had a fantastic 12-year career in the NFL. Unfortunately, he never really played for any good teams. Um, so, you know, he, he, was, he was a beast in Cincinnati. Uh, I'll miss watching AJ Green play. He was one of my favorite players in the league for a while. Um, my favorite memory, and it's probably your favorite memory too, of AJ Green, was the yeah. one-handed catch I, against Colorado. I just pulled it up. Oh, you just pulled it up? Okay, for yeah. our for our live viewers, they'll be able to they'll be able to watch this. Ready? Play it. Sound. Now we went six and six this year, but watch this at my craziest catch I've ever seen. <laughs> I watched that live, and I still can't believe it to this day. He made that catch. We lost that is my that game, favorite memory right? of AJ Green. Right did we there. lose that game? We did lose that game. Um, but uh, just a fantastic player. Great career. Yes. Great person. Never got in Great trouble. Person. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I'm hoping to see him back at Georgia, maybe as a wide receivers coach here in the next oh, couple of yeah. years. Come on, baby. But um, congratulations to AJ Green. Yeah. I don't know if he has the numbers to make the Hall of Fame, but he, he's he's a solid player nonetheless. He's a Hall of Fame. He has a Hall of Fame heart. Yes, sir. As <laughs> as our good buddy um, Butch Jones, Butch Jones would say, he has a five star heart. He has a five star heart. Yep, he definitely does. All right, that's it for the NFL. Yeah, that was a long NFL segment, but hey, we uh, we had a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to talk about in college football, actually. Surprisingly, we're gonna we're gonna delve into that. But we got some fast break time. NBA trade deadline was today at three o'clock, and we the first trade was I think on Sunday. We had Kyrie Irving 
and Mar Markeith Morris getting traded to the Dallas Mavericks for um oh I, I forgot the Finney Smith and um uh, Dorian Finney Smith and two other players who just um, all of a sudden slipped my mind that those parts of it are not super important. It's the it's the asset. Spencer Dinwiddie was in the trade um, and like three, three first round picks. But the the thing that is more. Is the bigger story is Kyrie Irving in Dallas now? How are they going to coexist? Kyrie Irving wanting out of uh, out of Brooklyn, basically forced Shot. Brooklyn's hand. Yeah, uh, yeah, force forcing Brooklyn's hand. And now he's going to be paired with Luca. How are they going to coexist? Is Dallas one of the best teams? I think a lot of teams were investing stock into Dallas after that trade. And then little knock at the door, little knock at the door at 1 a.m. We get the news that Kevin Durant is going to Phoenix for four first round picks, Michael Bridges and Cameron Johnson. And all of a sudden you've got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, just absolutely. And then, then you come out and they, they came out of nowhere with that trade. Yeah. And now Brooklyn went from being a contender with Kyrie and Kevin Durant because they were playing good basketball. After that, after they fired Steve Nash under Jacques Vaughn, they really were playing good basketball. Now they're going to be a rebuilding team. Cam Thomas has now emerged, has scored four straight games at 40 points. And I mean, they're going to be a rebuilding team now. They've got a lot of picks uh, stockpiled, but I think the bigger story here, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden played a combined 16 games together. Yeah. 16. You traded away a whole heck of a lot to get James Harden. You signed Kyrie Irving, you signed Kevin Durant for big money, and then it doesn't go anywhere. And yeah. now you look at the whole the total deconstruction of Brooklyn, and now all three of them are on different teams. I think the Suns are going to run the West. Um, the, it's I think it's I think it's inevitable with those three player four players together. It's going to be really scary. Uh, the Lakers made a lot of good trades. Legitimately, I do like the direction that they went in. They they traded away Russell Westbrook to the Jazz, and um, and part of a three team trade got D'Lo got Jared Vanderbilt, got Malik Beasley, and then... Um, what do you think about the player that the Timberwolves got back from the Lakers? I forget who it was. They got... Uh, the Timberwolves got... Um, no, 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 Garrett Con Conley. We got Conley from the Mike Jazz. Conley. Mike Conley. Mike Conley. Mike Conley. He's, he's, like, he's like 35. He's past his prime. I feel like the Timberwolves are... regretting their, their Rudy Gobert trade. Um, Kevin Durant was worth four first-round picks. That is still less than what the Timberwolves gave up for Rudy Gobert. Is he not having a good year? Five first-round picks. He is getting outplayed by Walker Kessler, who the Timberwolves drafted and traded to the Jazz in the Rudy Gobert trade. Hmm. He, he just has not been effective. It hasn't been a good fit. So it's really, it's not, it's a, it's, it's not it hasn't been a good marriage so far. So I, I think, but we just got to put it in perspective, the fact that Rudy Gobert, it took five first rounders for Rudy Gobert, took four for Kevin Durant. And th this whole time we talked about what would the package be for Kevin Durant? What would his package be? And then it ended up being that. 
And that was a little surprising that it only took it only took Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and four first round picks. What do you think about Mo Bamba to the Lakers? I think it's a good trade. I think um Patrick Beverly was super excited to be reunited with D'Angelo Russell, and then they traded away Patrick Beverly to the Magic. Um, I think it was a good it was a good rebound because they traded away Thomas Bryant, who had become kind of their who had lost minutes because he didn't really see eye to eye with Darwin Ham, but he was like one of their only true centers on the team. So them trading for Mo Bamba, I think, was a was a good move. Um, and then I want to talk about my Hawks because I have a really a really I think we made a really good trade. And then we made something that we did something that really I did not like. We got Sadiq Bay on our team from Detroit, a part of the James Wiseman trade. Um, he went to Detroit from Golden State. I think we gave up um, a couple of a couple of players in that tra- or we gave up five first round picks or five second round picks in that trade. Five second round picks to get Sadiq Bay from Detroit. Um, I think he's going to be perfect fit on this team. Three and D wing. He's a guy who scored 50 twice already in the NBA. Um, but I don't like the fact that yet again, we did not trade John Collins. John Collins, again, is going to play out the rest of the year disgruntled and with a clear, a clear alt towards Trey Young. Yeah. They don't they don't see eye to eye. He wants out, but the reality of the fact is our asking price for John Collins is 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 something that teams are not willing to give. Yeah. So we're gonna have to keep living in the reality that John Collins is gonna be on the Hawks. There was there was a there was a whole heck of a lot of trades that I can't go through because we don't have time. But I, I, those were the main ones in my mind. I think the Lakers really did improve. Um, Russell Westbrook will not play a game for the Jazz. He's going to get bought out, and he's probably going to go to either Miami or Chicago, um, which is which is interesting. I, I, I saw something that he like hates Jazz fans or something. Like he hates uh, he think, he thinks they're racist um, oh. or something like that because he's had like he's had a lot of scuffles with Jazz fans. But um, for me, I, another thing that um, I was going to talk about that now has um, slipped my mind. Um, well, darn. Okay. Well, that's, that's, I, I literally was just prepared to talk. Oh, John Wall traded back to the Rockets, a team that his career basically disintegrated for while he was playing. And he came out on a podcast three weeks ago and said that he hated 75% of his teammates on the Houston Rockets last year. Clippers shipped him back to Houston. Wow. So, um, the Clippers made a lot of good trades as well. They, they, they picked up Eric Gordon from the Rockets. Um, and then they, uh, I think they made one more move that I can't think of, but really good, really good NBA trade deadline. One of the craziest that we've had in a really long time. Um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, both being traded at the trade deadline. Not much, uh, not much can top that. Um, and then as much as I hate him, I have to talk about LeBron passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leader in scoring. Now, it does not make him the GOAT by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion. No. He's played significantly more games than Michael Jordan. He played in, uh, he, he played in the three-point era, where, which is something that Kareem didn't. Kareem had one career three, made one yeah. career three-pointer. Um, so while it's a great accomplishment. Most of his career, the three-point line didn't even exist. Didn't exist. He shot 12 total attempts, I think, in his career. Um, but that, to me, 
doesn't make him the goat, but it does. It is worthy of mentioning because yeah, it is a big absolutely. accomplishment. Um, good for LeBron. They lost the game, though. Yeah, they lost. I saw a meme that uh, LeBron had everybody that didn't clap for him shipped off. Right. I mean, Thomas Bryant called for the ball when he hit that. When he hit that, he was posted up on on Shea. The real basketball move would have been, hey, dumping into the center who's on the point guard. But LeBron hit his little step back fadeaway. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's all, that's the NBA uh, weekly fast break. That was more like the uh, that was more like the half court offense than, <laughs> than the fast break. Yeah. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into uh, college football because we've got a crap ton to talk about. I don't even know if we're gonna make it to the WWE today. Yeah, but, we, uh, we, probably not. If 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 we that was just kind of some extra stuff. Hey, we don't need elimination to chamber that. time by the time we get to yeah. the next episode. I don't think so. We can yeah. we can we can probably do it. All right, so the first thing with college football, Alabama finally gets their coordinators. They have been looking for weeks. Um, reportedly, they had several guys turn the job down, but they end up getting Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele. So what are your initial reactions to both of those coordinator hires? Um, I think Kevin Steele is a, is a weird one. Getting a former, a former Auburn D.C. Um, well, this is, is also his third stint at Alabama. He was at he was a Bama D coordinator for Saban's first six years at Bama. Oh, was he? I did not know that. Yeah, from so, 2007 to like 2013, he was their D coordinator. I think there, then there's then there's familiarity there. I just don't I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a Nick Saban hire. It feels like he's always going for the the hot young, the the young uh, young stud young prospect. I don't think that was a good good one. I think Tommy Reese has the potential to be good. Because uh, at Notre Dame, he was really highly touted. Marcus Freeman wanted to keep him on staff um, for a reason. Whenever he transitioned over um, from the Brian Kelly era, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I really, we didn't see much offensively out of Notre Dame last year. They were very pro style, ground and pound, which is something that that we've seen Alabama kind of transition away from being. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm very interested to see what direction Alabama's offense goes in. Um, but it, that did kind of feel like a like a fourth or fifth choice, yeah. Uh, um, on both ends, yeah. So my reaction is, you know, Tommy Reese, you know, he he did win ten games basically without a quarterback last year at Notre Dame, which is a positive. Um, and Nick Saban had to have done some voodoo magic to pull him away from his alma mater. Like you don't leave your alma yeah. mater for nothing. But anyways. I, and I think Tommy, I think I think Tommy Reese was a little handcuffed by the fact he didn't have an elite quarterback last year. But I feel like if he would have stayed at Notre Dame, his quarterback situation would have been better than it's going to be in Alabama. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think they're going to have to revert back to that pro style, run the football type offense that Bama hasn't run in like five or six years. And honestly, that, that isn't sty- effective anymore. That style yeah. of football is outdated. And you know, I think I don't know if Nick Saban is trying to go back to his early Bama days where it was we're going to run the football a lot and we're going to play some good defense and we're going to win games, you know, 28 to three. I don't I don't know if you can do that in the modern college game, especially with the way offenses have evolved, with the amount of talent on offense in the SEC. Look, Bama's still going to be good because their talent is going to be really good. Kevin Steele, he's got the familiarity. But he also did just get fired from Miami for having a terrible year there. His last couple of years have not been good as defensive coordinator. Um, been bouncing around a lot of places. So I don't know how I feel about that. 
really Saban's going to be the one running the defense anyway, but it was the offensive hire that was a little bit more interesting to me. We'll see what happens, though. Um, there wasn't anybody he could take in the, uh, the, the Nick Saban rehab school of coaching, um, but, you know, let, let's see what happens. Let's, I was very confident that Bama was going to bounce back and win the West this year, but after these coordinator hires, I'm, I'm second-guessing that a little bit. Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll ha- I have to see it to believe. It. I have to see what they do in the first couple of games. But uh, I mean, Bama's not going to go anywhere. They're not going to lose. They're not losing six games this year. I don't think they would lose more than two. But um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Bama this year. Uh, next, next one, Brian. Who, do, who does? Sorry, who does? Who does Alabama start the year next year? Probably a nobody. No, they start. Yeah, they start against MTSU, and then they go. They are home against Texas. Yeah, and then oh. at UCF, USF, SSF, USF. Sorry. Okay, because UCF would be that'd be spicy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brian Ferentz. If you don't know who that is, that is the Iowa offensive coordinator last year of one of the worst offenses we've seen in the modern era of college football. They averaged seventeen points a game. It's atrocious. I don't know why he's not fired. They basically adjusted his contract and they told him, you have to meet two requirements for you not to get fired this year. Number one, you have to average 25 points a game this year, which is kind of a low bar because if Iowa would have averaged 25 points a game this year, they still would have been the 89th ranked offense in college football. Yeah, but you also you also think about if they would have scored 25 points a game last year, they might have been in the college football playoff. Possibly, yeah. And they also have to win seven games. So if they don't meet both of those requirements, Brian Ferentz is fired. I don't know how he's been the coordinator there for five years. That's how crazy. in the world has he made he's never his his offenses have never averaged more than twenty eight points a game. So he's gonna yeah, have his work his cut out for him. He's gonna have a better quarterback. He's gonna have Cade McNamara, he's gonna have Eric All. But he's gonna have to get creative because Iowa every year they always have really good defenses and it's wasted because they can't score any points. Man, They're the imagine most boring work- team to watch. Imagine working for your dad. Oh yeah, you know all about that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but just a funny incentive. Yeah, and that, that's that's, I that's just, hilarious. The only reason he still has a job is because of Kirk Ferentz, his father. Yes. Any yes. other job, he would have been fired. Um, but um. Let's look at some post-signing day results. Um, the top five is Bama, number one, Georgia, number two, Texas, three, Oklahoma, four, Ohio State, five. Ohio, uh, Georgia lands five five stars and 17 four stars. And what I'm most excited about is Damon Wilson. Yeah. He's rated a, an overall 99 <laughs> uh, out of 100. Um, nobody's ever, there's only one player that's ever been ranked 100, but... Uh, Damon Wilson, I'm very excited about him. He's going to be a, a fantastic edge rusher. We're just we're just continuing to stack up defenses. Our defense yep. is, is not going anywhere. Uh, there's a good chance we land Dylan Rayola for next year's class. So, uh, what what do you what do you think coming out of coming out of signing day this year? I mean, it was a it was a slow sign. I mean, we didn't sign anyone new on like anyone new on actual signing day. But I really um, I, I'm happy with it. Kirby yeah. continues to prove that he's not going anywhere. Georgia's not going anywhere in general. So uh, I, that's all I can say, man. I'm excited. Um, and yeah. if we get Rayola in here, 
it's just going to be Georgia's going to have a constant string of quarterback battles for the rest of their existence. Yeah. Then you got the 2024 class who right now, this is going to change uh, because there hasn't been that many people that have signed from the 2024 class, but Georgia is ranked number one in next year's class. Notre Dame two, LSU three, Florida State four, and Michigan five. Yeah. That, that's going to change between now and next year, obviously. But it just goes to show you that, like, like you just said, Georgia's not going anywhere. They're going to recruit well. They're going to continue to stack recruiting classes upon recruiting classes. Yep. And Georgia is going to – I'm not saying they're going to surpass Bama in an amount of championships, but they're going to become Bama-esque in their dominance. I don't, I don't see us losing more than more than two two games, and that that's a stretch. I don't see us losing more than two games in a season for a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, then let's move on to uh, so, so sticking with Georgia. It doesn't appear that either coordinator is going to leave. Um, there was Todd Munkin uh, interviewed for several NFL jobs, but the fact that he hasn't taken one yet kind of tells it's, me that he's probably not him. leaving. He did have a second interview with the Ravens, but again, he wasn't hired. So I'm assuming he's going to stay. Um, Bama tried to take Glenn Schumann, our defensive coordinator, but he decided to stay. So things are looking good for Georgia. Um, I am. If I was a gambling man, I would go ahead and bet a hundred dollars on us going undefeated next year, at least regular season going undefeated. Um, But I'm not a gambling man. I don't do that. But um, yeah, I mean, our schedule is favorable. The only game that we're at less than 90% winning percentage is, is, is at Tennessee next year. And I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back, in my opinion. Um, so I'm not worried about it. I think we're going to go 12-0 next year. And that's not me being cocky. That's me being honest. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. There's not, I, there's not a game. There's not a losable shaking in my boots kind of game this year. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, this was just an article that I found online. Um, I don't remember who wrote it. We did not come up with this, but I do want to kind of analyze this. The top 10 out-of-conference games for 2023. This this article yes. posted their top 10 out-of-conference games. Um, coming in at number 10 is Ole Miss at Tulane on September 9th in Week 2. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting game. Tulane just lost their defensive coordinator to Miami, but... They're, I think they're bringing back quite a bit, quite a few guys. They're, bringing, they're, not quarterback. Bringing, they're not bringing back Tajay Spears, but they're bringing back a lot of guys on that defensive side of the ball. Ole Miss is going to be playing with three quarterbacks this year for some reason. Three quarterback so system, baby. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. What, what, what do you think about this game? I mean, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's at Tulane. It's going to be like the biggest. That's rare. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be like a really big out of conference game for them. And Tulane, I mean, they just beat USC. I remember a couple of years ago they almost beat Oklahoma. Um, yeah. So uh, Tulane is is a team. I think they're going to probably be the favorite to repeat as the Group of Five um, representative for the uh, for the New Year's Six bowls. Um, and I, I don't I, I, that depending on what direction that the Olmus goes with quarterback wise, I would not be surprised if Tulane pulled this game out at home. I think Olmus is going to win because. With Lane Kiffin's teams, it always seems like they start off really strong and then they fall off at the end of the season. So yeah. I think they'll win this game, but I think it will be close. Um, I think the difference is Ole Miss didn't have to play a Tulane. The slot right. that Tulane is in this year, they played Georgia Tech. Right. I mean, sorry, Cody, but I mean. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, UTSA travels to Knoxville to play Tennessee on September 23rd, week, I think week three or four. This is going to be an interesting Frank Harris, the seventh year quarterback, is going to be playing for UTSA. I've been hyping up Jeff Trailer. They've been a solid group of five team. I think if Jeff Trailer doesn't leave, I think in the next couple of years, UTSA could be the group of five team in the playoff. And look, this is a trap game for them. This will be Very a trap game for so. them. This could be the game that Joe Milton loses his starting job and Nico has to come in because don't sleep on this UTSA team just because they're a group of five school. They play hard. They play physical. That's going to be a game that I'm going to want to watch. You took the words out of my mouth. This is a team that or this is the game where I think Joe Milton's probably going to lose his job. You're going to have a trial by fire freshman in the second half coming in. Um, and I think UTSA could very well pull this out. If I was picking the game, I'd pick Tennessee. Yeah. But I would, if I was a betting man, UTSA has my money. UTSA to cover. I'm picking oh, UTSA yeah. to cover. Yeah. I think that line would probably open up at 14 or 15. Yeah. And just hammer that. Hammer yeah. it. Uh, Oregon travels to Texas Tech on September 9th. That is also week. Uh, week, I think week one or week two. It's two. September ninth is this is week two. I thought September second was week zero. No, September second is week one. Okay. Yeah, week zero is in August. Always. Oh, okay. Anyways, yes. um, Oregon traveling to Texas Tech. This is going to be an interesting game. Texas Tech is on the up and up. I really like Coach McGuire. Um, it's going to be interesting with their quarterback situation, and then obviously you have Oregon. They're, they're going to be really good. They're returning a lot of players. Yeah, they're returning yeah. Bo Nix. Um, I would take Oregon to win this game, but it is a road game, so it's going to be a, definitely an interesting one to watch. Oh, Lubbock is going to be wild for that game. I think that's going to be one of the biggest ones, and I wouldn't put it past McGuire winning a big game like that. Yeah. He beat Texas this year after they, were, um, after they were super competitive with Alabama. Everyone was like, oh, Quinn Ewers this, Texas that, and Texas Tech beat them. They're going to play physical tech. This is a different brand of Texas Tech football. That game is going to be very, very interesting. That's another game that I'm going to be glued in, or my eyes are going to be glued to. September 9th is looking like it's going to be a good one. Texas Tech, fun fact, is right now number six in the nation in the 2024 recruiting class. They probably have like one five-star or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, Next one is a neutral site game in Charlotte between North Carolina and South Carolina. That's probably the Duke's Mayo um, kickoff or something like that. I yeah, think. probably. That's, yeah. Uh, with it being September 2nd, that's week one. Yeah. That's going to be a really good one. Drake May to start the season against um, Spencer Rattler. Spencer, Spencer Rattler, yeah. South Carolina coming off a hot, hot finish to last year. North Carolina coming off a, a dreadful finish to their last year. They kind of had opposite seasons. UNC started off great, ended bad. USC started off, started off bad and ended great. Right. This is going to be a great game to watch. They had a great game in the Dukes Mayo Bowl two years ago. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely one you're going to want to watch week one. Uh, yeah, I love it. Drake May versus Spencer Rattler is going to be fascinating. And I'm really going to be looking at what kind of momentum can South Carolina pull into this game from the end of last year. I know they lost to Notre Dame, correct? I think they lost. Yeah. I think, I think so, they, yeah. I they lost to Notre Dame. So I know that's a that's something that's like, oh, they didn't end the season that hot. But when you beat, Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back weeks. You're going to have a lot of momentum. They're red hot on the recruiting trail as well. Yeah. And Drake May, as good as he played last year, he's going to be even better this year. Without his offensive coordinator, though. That's going to be interesting. I think Drake May is a generational talent, though. And no Josh Downs. Josh Downs is gone, I think. 
I think Josh Downs is gone. I mean, he better be. He's been there for freaking ever. Yeah. I, so I, I think it's going to be fun. That game's going to be fun. And I think it's going to be the 730 ESPN slot because I think that's the exact same game that Georgia Clemson played in a couple years ago. Next one, part two of Texas A&M Miami. And I think this one's going to be a lot more interesting than last year's version. Um, I think, you know, people are already ready to call Cristobal a bust. I'm not ready to say that just yet. They've been recruiting well. They've developed their players a little bit better. I think Texas A&M, I don't know about them. Um, They finally have an offensive coordinator now, but I think this game is going to be interesting. It's going to be in Miami, I think. Yes. Yes, it's going to be in Miami. So this will be a good game to watch, I think. Texas A&M, I'm not, I'm not talking preseason about Texas A&M anymore. I'm not. <laughs> I refuse to. But I do think they're going to be improved from last year with their uh, – they've, they've, they've oh, still got a lot of talent. They better ta- be. <laughs> they've still got a lot of talent there. From, I know a lot of people transferred out, but like you said, they have an offensive coordinator. I think Connor Weidman or Wegman is, is actually a very solid quarterback. Um, he was thrown into a really bad situation. So I think this game's gonna be really tight. Uh, I think it's gonna be good, really good. If uh, Miami can figure it out offensively, um, Cristobal is gonna have them ready to play. That's gonna it's gonna be a slugfest. I think it's gonna be low scoring. Um, I'm not making a prediction yet, but I think either one of these teams could win that game. You don't think Max Johnson takes the job next year? Is he coming? Did he return? I'm pretty sure he is. Then Max Johnson has the job. I thought I was under the impression Max Johnson was gone. Max Johnson is he by has far the best. He has no draft stock. Yeah, I didn't know if he transferred or something. It just felt yeah. like some one of those situations. Max Johnson, Max Johnson, if Max Johnson's the starter all year, Texas A&M's going to be very good because they were good with Max Johnson. They, they were serviceable. Points. They were they serviceable with points. Max Johnson. Yeah. They didn't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah. This one is going to be interesting just because Ooh. we're going to see a certain coaching debut. Colorado at TCU. TCU coming off a trouncing in the national championship game. Losing the heart and soul of your team in Max Duggan, trying to see if yes, last year was a fluke or if they can maintain consistent success. And then you got Colorado, you got Deion Sanders bringing in all these recruits and changing the culture. Which, on a side note, I do think Deion Sanders is going to make Colorado relevant. I'm not. I don't think he's. I don't think they're going to win the Pac-12 with him there. I don't think they were even make the college football playoff with him there. But they're going to be more relevant than they have been in a long time. I think they they'll have consistent winning seasons. Um, so, I mean, we'll see, but this is going to be, this is going to be Deion Sanders coaching debut against a good TCU team on the road. Yeah. I, I, I'm really excited about this one just to see the swagger of Colorado. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested to see Shadur Sanders. How is he going to play? How is he going to perform against other four or five stars? Because face it, he was the best player on the field against every single team he played because he was like the only four or five star out there. Yeah, and that's the that's the that's the thing that I'm not sold on just yet about Deion Sanders, is he has had way leaps and bounds better talent than any team he played yeah. in those those HBCU leagues. Now it's going to be an even playing field. Yeah, it's put up or shut up time. I'm not convinced Colorado is going to make a bowl this year. I, I'm not. I I don't think they'll make a bowl either this year. But I think. They're going to be relevant mainly because of the attention they're going to garner with Deion Sanders and the amount of talent that he's brought there is going to carry them to wins. I mean, they will win games just on talent alone, even if coaching isn't very good. They will win games on talent alone. 
They've Dude. got Mike Norvell as their defensive coordinator. They've got a good offensive Mike coordinator. Mike Norvell? Not Mike Norvell. Um, golly. The Vikings head coach from last year. What Mike Zimmer? Name? Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is their defensive coordinator. They've got Sean Lewis as their offensive coordinator. I think they're going to be well coached. And I, li- I to be honest with you, I know a lot of people don't like Deion Sanders the way he comes across. I like him. I like the guy's personality. I like his locker room speeches. But like you said, it's going to be a matter of how does it translate to the football field. But I think they're going to have enough talent to carry them to several wins. <coughs> yes, yeah, several wins. They're going to improve. They won one game last year. Right, right. They're going to improve, and they've got better talent. And as long as he is there, they're going to have one of the best secondaries in all of football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ormani McClain is coming next year. Travis Hunter is going to be there this year. And face it, Boulder is a really good college town. Yeah. Are they going to let Travis Hunter play both ways again? No, I don't think so. I I think that's very gimmicky. I don't think that's. um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not convinced with Colorado yet. I've got to see it. But also, if I'm a Colorado fan, I can't get too excited because the moment that FSU wins eight games this year when they're supposed to make the playoffs and they, and they fire Mike Norvell. Yeah. Bye Dion. He's gone. Yep. And, and you're decimated. Bags. Your program is decimated at that point. Again, honestly, I don't think he will transfer. I don't think he will leave Colorado until Shadur is done with school because he can't transfer again. Yeah. And I think he wants to take Shudder with him. So Frick Shiloh, think, you know, <laughs> well, Shiloh can't train. He's already transferred. He can't transfer yeah. again. Um, but Florida at Utah week one. This is this is part two of this matchup. This will be in Utah. I think Utah destroys Florida in this game. Florida doesn't have a quarterback. They don't have a lot of talent on this team. They don't and have to go to Florida have, this year. Yeah. You're not going to have the humidity advantage like you did. They're actually going to have the disadvantage going to it. Uh, High elevation play, high altitude. So give me Utah big in this game. Big, big, big. Cameron Rising, another eighth-year quarterback. (laughs) Yeah. Next one, Texas at Alabama part two. Yes. September 9th. Sign me up. This one's going to be a barn burner. I still think Alabama's going to win the game. But Quinn Ewers, if he can play all four quarters, this game will be interesting. They've now got A.D. Mitchell on their team. They've got Quinn Ewers, but something about something about Texas, they always let you down. They always let you down. They, I think this game's going to be close. I think it'll be close like it was last year, but I don't think Texas is winning, Not and especially not in Tuscaloosa. They, they win last year with Quinn Ewers. If Quinn Ewers plays four quarters, they win. I mean, if, if some Hudson buds Card, were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But, but Hudson Card had a bum ankle, too, and they, and they literally had a chance to win. Yeah, I, and this is Alabama is still going to be in a quarterback limbo by week two. I still think there's going to be uncertainty at the quarterback position, and I really do think you can't have uncertainty when you're playing a team like Texas, who knows they were so close to winning last year, so close to having one of the biggest wins in a long time for them. They're going to be motivated to play that game. I, I think they'll be motivated, but I think Alabama will also be realizing that they should have lost that game and they'll play better. But, um, but you're you're right. They're they are going to try to still be figuring out their quarterback situation probably at that point, and that's going to make it interesting. Um, Ohio State Notre Dame 
Part two. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. I'm, I took Notre Dame last year. I'm taking them again this year. I'm taking them at home. I think they're going to win this game. Makes more home. sense this year. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, they've got they've got Sam Hartman at quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Ohio State doesn't know who they're playing at quarterback. Give me Notre Dame. Where I mean, I think I think Ohio State's going to be nasty again next year. But I I think what we saw from Notre Dame north, towards the end of last year was really good from them. Uh, they started. I mean, what they won against South Carolina in that bowl yeah. game. They play defensively. They found an identity. And then offensively, they found an identity. They've got two dogs at running back. Yes. And they're young. Good they're young. Backs. And yeah. Sam Hartman has done nothing but have success at the quarterback position. I think if they don't figure out that court, I think they're going to start Kyle McCord. I think that's going to be the starter for them. Um, but who knows who's going to start over there for Ohio State. You've got a great wide receiving core at Ohio State, no matter what. Marvin Harrison Jr., is going to be a Heisman candidate next year, like legitimately. Ameka is coming back. Yeah, Ameka Abuka is coming back. I mean, they've probably got six other guys who are going to be really good as well. Yeah. So that game's going to be fun. Is that week one? That's September 23rd, so I think it's week three. Goodness. No, that's four. Week four. Yeah, week four. Weird. Random week four. That's fine. Hey, at least usually week four is not watchable. There'll be a watchable game. Yes, I'll take it. Week four. Um, I think week four last year was App State Troy on game day. Yeah, like that was yeah. yeah. So I'm excited about that. I'm not I'm not picking a winner because a lot can happen in between now and oh, September yeah. 23rd. So we will uh, we will see. And the last one, LSU Florida State Part Two. Ooh. This was their number one, but it's got to be your most anticipated game. Right. Florida State is I think going to be pushing for the ACC title playoff spot. LSU going to yes. be doing the same thing in the SEC. Oh. This was a one-point finish last year, and that was in New Orleans. This one's going to be in Orlando. So last year was a de facto home game for LSU. This one's going to be a de facto home game for Florida State. So this is going to be a barn burner of a game. Jaden Daniels obviously is going to want to avenge that loss, uh, but then Florida State, they want to have a promising season. Uh, I think the game is going to matter more to LSU than FSU, but – and that's why I think LSU will win the game, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a fantastic. Game uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited about this game and it's Florida States. Florida States can be tough to beat, but I also yeah. think LSU is going to be tough to beat. I think we could potentially. It's going to be on Sunday again, like it was last. That's year. awesome. I love yeah. it. It gives, it gives, it gives them the spotlight. Yeah. Well, I hope we get Joe Tessitore again. Yeah, because Joe Tessitore is the Sunday night. I mean, like he, he does great Sunday night games. I mean, the last couple of years that that game has been amazing. We had Florida State Notre Dame two years ago when McKenzie Milton got put back in the game and almost led that comeback um, against Notre Dame. And then last year we had whatever the heck the end of that game was. And then, I mean, you think about you think about what could have changed if they made that extra point. In last yeah. season, I mean, they still made the SEC championship game, but they beat Alabama. With one with with two losses at that point, they probably they, make the playoff. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'm excited about that game. I mean, Florida State's gonna be really good. LSU's gonna be really good. That's gonna be like a top ten matchup. Absolutely, it, it will be. I think Florida's gonna preseason rank like four, and then LSU's gonna be like seven. So yeah. I'm excited. All right, that wraps up the college football segment, and yes. we'll just call it. A, we'll, we'll we'll wrap up the show as well. 
Right. Um, the WWE stuff was just if we had some extra time. And we but we've been talking for a while. So. We have. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening and watching. If you were watching on the live streaming platform, we appreciate you. If you're listening to our uh, to our bi-weekly podcast at this uh, this point, we really appreciate you as well. Um, like we said, we will update you if we are going to do a Super Bowl live stream. We might not. So uh, we'll just we'll keep you all posted. Uh, we appreciate you all. We love you all. We'll see you in two weeks. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the official review. Before you go, I just wanted to give you a couple ways that you can stay connected with the show. First is our email, mgzbsportsnetwork at gmail.com. With this email, you can stay connected, ask us questions that we will answer on the show. Also, if you want to follow us on TikTok under the same name, we post very, very frequently about everything that's happening. And also, if you just want to check Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts Thursday morning at 8 a.m. for every single episode of the official review. Thank you, and we love you. Peace.